Ladies and gentlemen, now the moment you've all been waiting for... The Belching Contest. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. I can't run anymore. I'm so sleepy. Hey, we're guests. Knock, food and knock, knock. I'm uh, lodging. <laughs> I'm food. <laughs> I'm gas. And he thinks he's funny. I don't know what just happened. I don't either. All right. I know what happened because I'm in the studio with you guys. All right then. So welcome to um, uh, the latest edition of our nonsense yes, podcast number seven F three zero two four seven two eight nine nine zero two one zero. All right. Um, anyway, we were where are we going today? We were gonna we were. We bounced it around a little bit. But we, we were discussing what we were going to discuss and in our pre-production meeting, and now we're having a pre-production right. We meeting on the air. A post-production meeting. This is a post-pre-production meeting. Post-pre-production Well, what happened is I, scra- we, I prepared for a day and a half, and then we scrapped it in the last five minutes. <laughs> and we're anyway, just going to wing it, which is what we like to do, right? Uh, do you prefer hot, mild? I kind of like the no. garlic. Uh, yeah, the garlic yeah. ones are bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. I love we're going to wing it. I, used to, I don't know. I'm not really a big fan of garlic in general. Wow. I think. Wow. I don't even know you. I mean, I well, like garlic bread. There's a reason I'm gas and you're not then. <laughs> right. Right. I am food. So, I mean, if we're talking about like pillow density, you'd be the guy. But. <laughs> All righty then. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, right. Anyway, every once in a while we do a show where we talk about a specific director or a set of movies or some stuff like that. Right. And, so and then we had prepared today for another director, which I'm not going to name now. But then, like I said, we decided to change it. We don't it. even need to tell them that part. Right. Of it. Well, no, I like to snitch on myself. So later on, when they hear it, they go, "Oh, I wonder if that was the one." <laughs> we had to do a different one, and they're like, "I wonder if that yeah, was the I one." If that was. The one. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. So I mean, I'm just laughing. And they didn't know. I don't know. Quit blasting things. We out are just car. anyway. Right. So we're going to do Tarantino. Let's start as in not Quentin Tarantino. Quentin yeah. Jerome there, Tarantino. Like there's another Tarantino from another Manhattan Tarantino. Beach, California, USA. Um, anyway, um, well, I know he worked at a video store there. Whatever. That's, Seems like we know the on, life. So here's the of thing: Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino wrote a script. Passed his some like not his girlfriend, but somebody he knew was a hairdresser that uh, for Harvey Keitel's wife. And so he managed to pass the script on to Harvey Keitel. Are you talking about Reservoir Dogs? I, I was going to get there. Oh, bitch. sorry. The point is, yes, is that that is that is that was what did it is because Harvey Kel- Keitel signed on to the script, he was able to get the funding to for his directorial debut. He'd written other stuff, right? But he wasn't going to be given money by any studio to direct, so he was going to have to do it independently. And why is it I feel like I know done. more about the life of Quentin Tarantino than like other directors in general? Because it seems like when well, he's in an interview, of, he talks about his life. Right. Well, part of it is because he, he is a, 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 a talkative fellow, but yeah. also it's because of the era that his stuff starts. Whereas an older director, you're not going to necessarily know this kind of stuff. Like, I don't really know the, the life, world. early well, life they of had Steven the, Spielberg. Well, because he had the benefit right. of not living and living in a time without the internet. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. is, is Tarantino's films have come out in an age when <coughs> DVDs had lots of extras and features, right. and then the internet and, every, right. and, and everything beyond Google. that. You know, so there's. I don't own any of his I DVDs. Mean, Is there like three commentary tracks with him it's, just talking? It's like, for example, I mean, it's it's difficult to um, separate him from Robert Rodriguez in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. their, their yeah. careers. Yeah, they they, they work together a lot. And, mm. What? 
Do you know Robert Rodriguez did the, the soundtrack to Kill Bill 2 for $1? Hmm. $1. Yeah. Hmm. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Are we going to do movie quotes? Okay, so <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, All right, so I I like Quentin Tarantino movies for the most part, but I'm not really a huge fan of his. Okay, I don't like his latest works. I like his older original stuff. I'm definitely a a Tarantino fan. Yes, Yes, very influential filmmaker, very cutting edge, very up there. I'm a fan of him as a director, but I'm even more of a fan of him as a a writer. Right, he's a writer director, and he does both of those things well. But I think he's a better writer. Not not saying that he's a lesser director, but his writing is even better than right. directing, is what I'm saying. Right. And we've talked about some of his films on other episodes. Certainly. So. But um, so starting, I think Reservoir Dogs is just a logical starting yeah, point. Yeah, 1992. Even there's, there's, there's earlier movie. stuff. But it's, it's brilliantly done uh, by starting at the ending in the way uh, a handful of other movies that we've talked about before, um, like Memento or Immortal Beloved or something like that. Um, this, it starts at the end and then basically tells the story in flashback from the perspective of each character as they're introduced. Right. Um, Mr. Pink's is a very brief, just him getting out, right. blasting his way out, chase kind of thing. Steve Buscemi. Um, yes. Here's here's some trivia for you. Um, what's his name? Lawrence Bender is yes. Tarantino's longtime early producer. Right. He plays one of the cops that's chasing Pink in that I scene. I believe it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the play. Get out of the way. Right. Right. Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Chris Penn. Steve Buscemi, Michael Madsen. Yes. A lot of people that I think were before they were big stars in some ways. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and um, right. like Tim well, Roth. I well, think. that's the I thing mean, is we can talk about not necessarily yeah. after that movie. Well, this is the thing. Tarantino was known for taking people who, who he loved growing up and putting them in a movie. Who's the guy? Who's the boss in, in Reservoir Dogs? I'm trying to think of the actor's name. Oh. I don't have him and Blue, Mr. Blue, are both guys who did a lot of like '70s B movies that Tarantino was a fan of, but they weren't well-known actors, and he cast them because he wanted to bring, you know, them some recognition. And then he did the same thing with Travolta Mm -hmm. in Pulp Fiction. Did the same thing with uh, David Carradine in Kill Bill. um, he, stuck he likes to revive people's careers. Um, Yeah, yeah, what's her name for uh, uh, Pam Greer for Jackie Brown? Right. Um, so yeah, he he, and he, he definitely revived like Travolta's career. Well, he always has a ringer, but though. he didn't necessarily. He's got a Harvey Keitel or a Robert De Niro, or he's got something. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, it's funny though. I mean, like the opening credits to, to to Kill Bill, it's like a nice small little font saying Uma Thurman, and you know right. all the all the stars of this movie are in like a small font, and then it goes and with and suddenly giant on the screen Sony Sony Chiba right and freaking what's her name who plays Gogo, fucking just in giant letters because that's right. who he really wants to promote that he's stuck in this movie. So yeah, Reservoir Dogs is a high gone wrong film. Where we've discussed it several times. Wasn't it in somebody's top five? I think it was it mine. May have been, yeah. I <laughs> can't even remember. <laughs> well, but I mean, it would have made Damn. sense that it was because there's so much influential stuff about that. The the scene where he where they're all getting their names, you know, and and yeah, Buscemi's like, why can't like, I be Miss Pink? Yeah. You know, why can't I be Mister Purple? <clears throat> yeah, Steve You're not Mr. Purple. Mister Purple's on another job. That was Steve Buscemi before he was really big. You know. Yes. yes. Right. Hear your names. Mr. Brown, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Blue, Mr. Orange, Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? Because you're a faggot, all right? <laughs> Why can't we pick our own colors? No way, no way. 
Tried it once, it doesn't work. You get four guys all fighting over who's going to be Mr. Black. But they don't know each other, so nobody wants to back down. No way. I pick. You're Mr. Pink. Be thankful you're not Mr. Yellow. Yeah, but Mr. Brown, that's a little too close to Mr. Shit. Well, Mr. Pink sounds like Mr. Pussy. How about if I'm Mr. Purple? I mean, that sounds good to me. I'll, I'll be Mr. Purple. You're not Mr. Purple. Some guy on some other job is Mr. Purple. You're Mr. Pink. And we talked about the Coen Brothers before, too. And between the Coen Brothers and Tarantino, they built Buscemi's career in a lot of ways. Right. Well, the the tip scene, the I don't tip scene. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, when they go around the table. Yes. That's that's a good scene. Well, and what's really funny is is where Tarantino will cast himself in his own films. Right. He does the huge introductory Like a Virgin monologue, but that's about all he gets in the whole movie. He's brown. He's the guy who, he's the driver. Right. He gets shot in the head. He always gets the cool lines, though. Right. But the point is... Digging is, tunnels like Charles Bronson in The Great Escape. But the point is, he, um, he, he um, instead of, it's, it's a money-saving aspect, where it's like, I just cast myself in this small role. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Well, it's part of it, I'm saying. No, it's an ego thing. Well, it's definitely it's an definitely ego thing. thing. Well, it's yeah. like Hitchcock, and then Scorsese's been in a lot well, of those Well, no, no, too. it's different than Hitchcock, because with Hitchcock, <sighs> Hitchcock is just a, a blip yeah. in right. the background. Well, it's like Stan Lee in a Marvel movie. He just has to be there. There he right. was. Okay, he's right. good. We're good now. But but you know what I mean? It's like with Hitchcock, it's more of a nudge and a wink and a joke, but with Tarantino, it's more of a, I want yeah, to, he has a role. more of an ego. Right, he has a yeah. role you know. in the movie. I mean, his monologue in, I mentioned Robert Rodriguez, uh, Dust Till, is it Dust Till Dawn? No, no, no. no, no he the, had a much the larger one. role in that movie. No, 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 before that. The, the, the um, fuck. The El Mariachi second one. Right. Desperado, Desperado. That is as much a remake as it is a sequel to El right. Mariachi. His whole speech in the bar scene there with, with, with uh, Cheech. Right. It's cool to say. It's cool. It's cool. Right. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs was relatively unknown at the time and then only gained acclaim due to the huge hit that the next movie was. This is true. Yeah, Reservoir right. Dogs was a, a critical darling Sundance and all of that. Right. It was not a commercially big I film. did not. I was not aware of the movie. Until after Pulp Fiction. Until after Pulp Fiction. Sure. Um, so. I, think I, I, I would say the same. Movie. I don't think I, yeah, I don't and think that, I was aware of it. Yeah, that's Pulp his big breakout movie. Um, 1994, American crime film. Yes. Reservoir Dogs is John just Travolta, a great. Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, Ving Rhames, Emma Thurman. Reservoir Dogs is just a great example of minimalistic right. making a movie and sure. using it very well. I mean, there's most of it takes place within that like warehouse or whatever. There's very little that's outside. And even that, like the dinner scene, it's just at a table. There's very like few exterior sure. shots. Like there's the scene where they, he runs down the street and... They shoot the cops. Well, there's well in each Very of the flashbacks you get, you get well you Small get scenes. Winston Wolf meeting him at you know, right at headquarters, whatever in his office. You get um, you get him a lot with with Roth to, with the cop, yeah, going through his whole routine, the scene up on the roof, the scene in the bathroom, all these things. But um, but you're right. There's a lot when he gets to Pulp Fiction. It's a lot less minimalist. There's right. there's a Pulp lot of a lot bigger, a lot bigger, a lot um, more production. Space. And, well, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. they're all. You know, it's, he's it's all a bigger. Yes. It's a bigger. And again, whereas it's whereas, supposed to be a sensationalized kind of thing, right? Yeah. You know. And whereas whereas Reservoir Dogs is non sequential, but essentially builds it on in flashback. Um, Pulp Fiction is completely non sequential in an arbitrary not an arbitrary way, but in um, as if it's a series of s- short stories that are interconnected. 
Who's the main and character in be, Pulp Fiction? That's the point. What's the story? Who's, what does the story revolve around? What do you Bruce think? Willis. I, no, honestly, I would say the main character is Travolta. It's the no. rise and fall. No, it's the rise. And, no, no. The I'm main sorry. character Sam in Pulp Fiction is Bruce Willis. No. No. <laughs> Sam. Ja- it's Sam Jackson's story arc is what begins and ends the film. Pat. Well, that's the thing. The way the story is structured, it is more about Samuel L. Jackson. That's what I'm but saying. if you re-edited the movie in sequential which order, you did. Well, yes, which you did, and I saw that. If it's re-edited in sequential order, it that, centers Pat? about. Do I don't know. I don't remember. You don't remember it doing that. It centers on what? Yeah. It centers yeah. around Bruce Willis. If you, if right. you, it, chronologically, it would start with Christopher Walken talking to Bruce Willis as a kid. Sure. And it would end with Bruce Willis riding off into Rides the sunset. Because that's cycle. dead, baby. That's dead. Now, didn't. But that uh, would be the sequential order. And so, therefore, the story arc would right. be about Bruce Willis. But, but the, the real, way it is. The real edited, story arc is Jackson. It's, it's about Jackson. Because Jackson finds redemption at the end and walks away. Whereas. Tarantino questions, or Tarantino, Travolta questions this, says, how, why would you walk away? Walk to Earth, the fuck is that, right? But and he doesn't actually and he, walk and so, away. So, no, he does, because Travolta ends up dead. The final scene of the movie is the two of them walk out of the restaurant. And they go back, and that's Willis's first scene. And, and then Willis has to go back for the I watch. I can't believe you don't Travolta's remember that. on the toilet. I, Pat, uh, took, I can't anyway. Pat took... The Pulp Fiction it. on VHS, sure. two VCRs and a yep. blank tape, yeah. yep. and he yes. freaking recut all the, the whole movie by pausing, rewinding, fast forwarding, <laughs> recording again, right. until no. he recut it, and, and then we sat down and watched it, and he's right. Yes. The movie, is, the movie uh, is, a, is Bruce Willis. But I have, Bruce I have, Willis's character, rather, is the main character in that movie. Well, it, it, it starts and ends with him. Samuel L. Jackson's arc may be more interesting. But um, fact of the matter remains that you're wrong. No, I'm not wrong. I, because you're saying the main character of the re-edited into chronological order se- scenes of the film it's is the about same Bruce movie. Wallace. No, no, it's that's not, a it different movie. Right. Be a different that's movie, the point. Definitely. It's a different <laughs> movie because of the way it's edited together. Um, I have on a DVD Memento in chronological order. Oh, good which God! Is why true. I didn't do it? Somebody else did it. There is actually a website. That took all of the TV series oh, lost, yeah, all six I seasons. I heard about that, yeah. And over the, the course of several years, and a whole lot of people involved to get it done, they have every scene in chronological order, from all the f- time traveling flashbacks and everything in, in the ancient past to the to the future. It has the entire show re-edited in chronological order. It's insane. <laughs> that is pretty crazy. Um, but it was, you know, it was not like an individual like him doing it in his bedroom. It so, was a whole lot of people involved in it. Right. I like Pulp Fiction. I just don't love it. Okay. You know, I, I mean, Pulp I Fiction like. Was on your list? Now that we were saying, I, I'm pretty sure. No, no it was no, Reservoir Dogs. Was, was it? Okay. Yeah, definitely. I like uh, some, you know, the bits with like Jackson and Travolta where they go to the guy, the, the apartment, and the big speech, and the whole Royale with cheese and all that stuff. Right. Uh, I do like some of the stuff with Uma Thurman, where they kind of where they go on the date at the beginning. They go to the the club and Jackrabbit Slims, and they do the dance. I do like that part. <laughs> and he's talking to himself in the bathroom mirror. He's like, "You're gonna go home. You're gonna jerk off. You're gonna get some sleep. That's, that's all you're gonna <laughs> so do. That's all you're gonna do." <laughs> but I'm not a big not- fan of some of the other stuff. I don't like the second half of the date. Where she, well, and she actually, does the that's, drugs that's and an example of what I was talking about, about his writing. I don't the really... way he writes dialogue 
you know, the whole thing where they're right. having the like exchange outside it, the apartment door about, you know, massaging another massaging, woman. Massaging, yeah. You know, and it's like, is that stepping over the line on something? And and that that whole thing. And there, there's a whole lot of conversations that you don't get in a mainstream film because every right. line of dialogue has to further the plot. Whereas the whole thing, with Tarantino, every line of dialogue is setting the mood and setting the tone and setting the scene. The, the big thing that Uma Thurman does when, they, when she wants to dance and she tells, tells him, like, my, what's, what's the boss's name? Marcellus Wallace. Marcellus yeah, I Wallace. believe that my boyfriend, Marcellus Wallace, told you to, to take, take me, me out. And I want to win that trophy. You know, that, that's a really <laughs> and I think he says, I, I think he just says, yes, ma'am, or something. Yeah, I, I can't quote it, out. SARS. But even SARS. like... Even like the, a $5 shake. I mean, that's a good shake. I don't yeah. know if it's right. a $5 even, shake. Even when he's, calling, shake. when he's calling him after she finds a, what she thinks is cocaine in his jacket and ends up being heroin. Right. <laughs> and he's, he's calling and he's like, fuck you, Lance, answer. And the phone's ringing. And uh, Roseanne Harkett's like, I thought I told you to not have these assholes call here this late. <laughs> Eric Stoltz is like, that's exactly what I'm going to tell this asshole right now. <laughs> So, Wait a minute, is this a landline? Prank caller, prank caller. Prank caller. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, Christopher I, Walken I'm has not the best cameo huge. ever in that yes, movie. Yeah. He, he wore this thing up his ass. Great-grandfather gave this watch to granddad for good luck. Unfortunately, Dane's luck wasn't as good as his old man's. Dane was a Marine, and he was killed, along with all the other Marines at the Battle of Wake Island. Granddad was facing death. He knew it. None of those boys had any illusions, but they were leaving that island alive. So three days before the Japanese took the island, your granddad asked a gunner on an Air Force transport named Wanaki, man he'd never met before in his life, to deliver to his infant son we'd never seen in the flesh his gold watch. Three days later, your granddad was dead, but Wanaki kept his word. After the war was over, he paid a visit to your grandmother, delivering to your infant father his dad's gold watch. This watch. This watch was on your daddy's wrist when he was shot down on that Hanoi. He was captured, put in a Vietnamese prison camp. He knew that if the gooks ever saw the watch, it would be confiscated, taken away. The way your dad looked at it, this watch was your birthright. You'd be damned if any slope's going to put the greasy yellow hands on his boy's birthright. So he hid it. In one place he knew he could hide something, his ass. Five long years he wore this watch up his ass. Then he died of dysentery. Give me the watch. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass two years. Then, after seven years, I was sent home to my family. And now, little man, I give the watch to you. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of, I mean, I only like half of the Bruce Willis stuff. I like the part where, you know, uh, he goes back for the, for the watch and he shoots Travolta, but... The whole thing after that, where you know, with the gimp and all that, I'm not really a big fan of that part of the movie. Well, what I like about yeah. that part of the movie is that's all is an example of how this is an indie film. This is not a Hollywood blockbuster. Well, yeah, right. you do yeah. not have Zed and the Gimp in a Hollywood blockbuster. Right. I don't know. I just I didn't really care for Get that part hard of the movie. Pie pit motherfuckers. But this is between you 
me and Mr. About to spend the rest of his short ass life in agonizing short pain. Short ass miserable life. Rape this motherfucker here. In agonizing pain. <laughs> you hear that, motherfucker? We're gonna get medieval on your ass. I think anybody listening to the show would yeah. probably have seen Pulp Fiction. You think? I would say. So. Yeah, I, 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 I would hope agree. so. I, right. I would say of, of all it's a, of it's it's his it's films, a must see movie. If, if, it is absolutely right. must. It definitely is. If you haven't seen it, then you should stop the show, go see it, and go come see back. It. Yes, and and so then after that. Three years later, 1997, Jackie Brown. And but that's the thing is you kind of uh, did Four have... Rooms first, the one skit in sure, Four Rooms. Sure, sure, right. sure. Well, he had one of the rooms Let's drop rooms. back to that because I think it's that. relevant to talk about Jackie, Jackie Brown, Brown being the Pulp Fiction follow-up. And right. the reason there's a three-year gap is it's the, the concept of a sophomore slump um, in like a band's second album has always sucked. You know, it's the same thing. I think he took so long to make another movie because Pulp Fiction was well, such a success. And he was busy. He did Four Rooms, and then he was working with... Um, Robert Rodriguez. Right. But, I'm not, but what I'm saying, though, is I think he may have had some... Um, Afterglow? Some leftover no. ideas from the first movie? No, no, I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying more of a um, um, jitters, more of a... Pulp Fiction got me so much acclaim, I can't fuck up the next right. one. Right. And, and there's maybe some nerves and some writer's block. I don't think he did fuck up the next one. I don't think he fucked it up at all. No, I think Jackie But I think Brown that may be film. why it took so long for Jackie Brown to happen. Right. Can, can we... I was going to use this clip from Jackie Brown in another show, but can we actually do it in this show? Um, I can throw it Listen in later. Listen to it, and, do it now. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And, go uh, and watch it. Because, just, just, you see, I, when I was thinking about Jackie Brown know. recently, and... Uh, I was thinking about the scene in Jackie Brown and how much it was kind of interesting to me. And so I went back and I started watching Jackie Brown because I'd, I'd forgotten where exactly this scene happens. And it actually happens at the very beginning of the movie. And, uh, and I watched it. And I was actually getting into the movie because I remember watching Jackie Brown and actually liking that movie. Not loving it, but actually really liking it. Thinking that, because I, I don't know, it seems like I remember there was kind of mixed reviews on that movie. Oh, sure. When it came out that some people didn't care well, for because it. Because it wasn't Pulp Fiction. It wasn't Pulp Fiction. Right. Maybe that because it was slower than yeah. it was a slower movie. But I don't know. I, I seem to recall liking this movie. And I have not seen it in years, probably since it came out. And I was starting to get into it. But I was only watching it for this particular scene. It is on Netflix right now, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was, I was going to watch it. Anywho, so yeah, this yeah. is. Um, Just play it. Okay. This is at the beginning of the movie. Right after the credits, where uh, it's De Niro and uh, Jackson watching the, uh, the girls. Now, what I wanted to say about this scene, if you guys can see this, I know the viewers at home can't see it. I'm well aware of this. We're watching the TV. Then it cuts, firing machine guns. It cuts to De Niro and uh, Jackson sitting on the couch, and we see them, and he's talking about it. I mean, this is very, I don't know what you want to say, testosterone? <laughs> the girls with guns, the two of them sitting there talking about this stuff. Yeah, we touched on this in an earlier episode. And I really like it. No, but, but it's the directing. He's shooting them. He's shooting the TV. Okay. And, and then we get to, oh, I guess what, you know, yeah. what I like, I don't know if there's probably a technical term for this, but kind of limited viewing or limited shooting because we don't see everything in the scene. And then finally, the camera's going to come around behind them and we're going to see the legs on the table. But we don't realize that there's a third person you see right here. There's a third person in the scene. 
Right, right, right. The whole time. Right. And it makes it, to me, it makes the scene funny suddenly. Because here they are, talking uh, all this right. tough shit, watching these girls in bikinis, and then you realize his girlfriend's sitting there in the room with him right. the whole time. Right. right. Which I think is funny. And so he tells her to, to like refill his drink. We see her legs. We don't even see her yet. We've just seen her legs. Right. But you still don't see her. Right. And you're right. Isn't that it the, makes the scene kind of a deliberately Isn't that the Fonda kind of granddaughter? What's her name? Yeah, Bridget Fonda. Yeah. yeah. But we don't even realize she there. She's there. Keep playing it. Okay. Then yeah, she uh, play, she goes, she gets the drinks while they're still more. talking all this tough shit. Got to have this gun. came out, every nigga in the world had to have a 45. And they ain't want one. They want two cuz all them niggas want to be the killer. But what them flicks don't tell you and what they don't know that a 45 got a serious fucking jamming problem. We and still don't even see her. Right, right, right. When they're, they're still talking all this stuff. And we've seen her legs, we've seen her arm. <laughs> you know how to even, you know, right for a first-time viewer, you may not even realize that's Bridget Fonda yet. You know? Right. Well, Tarantino was very... And then he's very he comes confused. back, and now we see her. And now it becomes about her and what she's doing. Even though she's the girlfriend of Jackson, she's got a bare feet right next to his drink. drink. <laughs> and you see De Niro look over at her. Talk, she becomes a focus of and you see she's touching his glass with her toe. We're focusing on that. It becomes very sexual suggestive uh, and it's reversing uh, the well because this thing up till now it's been about the whole thing Jackson you're talking about well, no but i'm saying it's the point being that it's about having no respect for her no yeah and suddenly she's forcing in the respect nothing gets between me and my ak <laughs> right and then uh she's like oh i'll get your drink but then, then you gotta the phone rings. To me. he's got no respect again he's yeah, telling her to get the phone and she's like you know it's for you girl don't make me put my foot in your ass <laughs> <laughs> right and she gives him the look now watch the camera work here and i know people at home is not seeing this he follows her over she picks up the phone the camera comes around and follows her back <laughs> she's like fuck you right you see wow. and she sits down very suggestively again knowing that he's going to get up and walk away and then she starts up a little conversation with De Niro. You know? Right. So, <laughs> there's a lot going on there, but the whole thing about just focusing on the TV and the two of them talking all this tough stuff, and we don't even realize that she's in the room at first. And then finally we see right. her, and it, it brings a kind of a joke or a funniness to the scene. It kind of changes Tarantino, your perspective on yeah. what's going on. Tarantino is a fan of he's, films and a fan of filmmaking. Yes. And he takes the cinematography very seriously. Right. His camera work, what he's showing you, what he's not showing you. Right, because he's giving good. you, he, he gives you very distinct perspectives. Right. Um, uh, when you're looking at something, it, it, it's interesting because um, when you're talking about following her there, that, that quick bit, there's the long sequence of Pulp Fiction following Bruce Willis when he's climbing the fence, yeah. cutting through the back right. lot right. and everything. And the camera's on him the whole time. And it puts you as the viewer in the same situation. Right, like, right. I'm sneaking through some back alleys because it's like playing scene, Doom. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like playing right. Doom, definitely. Right. And um, I, yeah, it's interesting because um, I'm trying to think of a, a, another example of something like that. Anyway. I um, thought we decided that uh, 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 was not an acceptable. Okay. <laughs> but it is for acceptable show. for you that's to why double I, the quantity of it by mocking mine? That's yes, why I that's laugh. Right. That is correct. I sir. laugh when I'm lost as to what to say. Right. Uh, see he it. laughs when he has to pee. <laughs> he laughs when he gets lost when he has to say. When he's hungry. Okay. Hungry. So, so let's back up 
a couple clicks. We mentioned the Rod Rodriguez influence. So you've got Four Rooms. Um, and for those who haven't seen Four Rooms, this is a lesser known film, but um, the entire film is, is set in a hotel on New Year's Eve. What's the year? It's not present day. I don't think they say, but... I think it's present day. Is it? Okay. Yeah, well, anyway, the point really is, is the only... It's four different short films strung together, and the only common link is Tim Roth, who plays the bellhop. Right. And... Um, who directs each room? Do we know? I know I the last out. two, obviously, but I'm, I'm trying to... What her well, name is. Well, it's Robert is. Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez is the, is the, the third segment, and right. Tarantino's the fourth. But right. I'm trying to remember the woman who's the first segment with Madonna and um, the, the coven of witches, basically, um, that are, I don't, I don't know what the point of that scene is, is they're conjuring up the spirit of... of well, let's just talk about Tarantino's room since this is the Tarantino <laughs> show. Well, but, but I think it's a really cool film all around. Right. And, and it's, it's Allison Anders, Allison Anders. I was Alexandre Anders. Rockwell. Robert yeah. Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, Alexander Rockwell, yes. I don't really know who those other two people are. I do not you either. Sh- you should know who Alison Anders is. Anyway, you should look that up. Anyway, she does some really We'll good do that, Roland. Films. Thanks. Fuck <laughs> you, man. Uh, so we're not allowed to take a tangent. Uh, we didn't talk about... Uh, when Charlie, Talk Adventured, we didn't talk about... Charlie Kelly. Kelly. Not that mother scratcher. <laughs> Bill, Bill Parker. Bill Parker. Could you, Charlie, could you look up Alison Anders for us, please? Okay, thank and you, And give Charlie. us a bio you, on her. All right. So, meanwhile... Okay, so the fourth segment is a homage to and satire of okay, okay, an okay. Alfred Hitchcock Presents Television. <coughs> Here we go. Allison Anders directed a movie called Gas, Gas Food, Food Lodging. Lodging. That's Are right. you fucking shitting me? <laughs> that's right. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? She did. That's right. Well, that I'm going to have to go home and watch it. I'm going to have to find it and watch okay. it now. <laughs> anyway. Charlie, call the attorney's office. <laughs> All right. So anyway. Um, <laughs> Not heard of it. Tarantino's segment. Um, actually, I th- personally, for me, in four rooms, oh, Robert Rodriguez is in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Brolin. You haven't seen it. I never heard of it. Okay, so um, anyway, what is I trying to say? I think Rodriguez's segment is the best one. It's called the Misbehaviors, and it's basically right. It's the one with Antonio Banderas right. as the father, and, and they go out dancing. They're, they're going to go out dancing children. and leave the two kids alone. Right. Now, here's the fun thing: if you know your little extras, um, there's a Robert Rodriguez short. Um, that's like a bonus on like the Desperado DVD or something or other. Anyway, that's actually playing when the kids flipping channels. That's what's playing on the TV in the background. Is is another Robert Rodriguez short film? Is what he's using as the background on the television set while the kids flipping channels. Right. Um, but it's also the one where the Rockwell uh, segment and and the Rodriguez segment have a, a connection where the kid finds a heroin needle <laughs> in the bed. And then fucking just picks up and dials a random room. Well, yeah. Says, you have needles in your rooms? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> right? foreshadowing. And you've already seen the earlier scene that's where the guy standing there picks what, up the phone right. and is like, um, no, we don't got any needles here, kid. Just a big fucking gun. Right. You know? <laughs> so the needles were the foreshadowing for what they find under the mattress later on. Correct. Right. Yes. It culminates in a brilliant shot. Let's not ruin it for anyone. Let's not ruin it. It's, the final shot of that third segment is okay, hilarious. Yeah. Four Rams, great movie. If but, you haven't seen well, it, go see it. But it's okay Well, I figure yeah. Mr. Hitchcock here wants to bring up the point that the fourth segment is based on a Hitchcock right. episode from Alfred Hitchcock and, Presents. And it's, uh, what's his name? Is it Steve McQueen? Steve McQueen, Steve McQueen. yes. And Peter Lorre. And, Ooh, and the Peter beauty Lurie. of it is the Steve McQueen, the, the Hitchcock episode has some really very Hitchcockian, very slowly paced. Hitchcockian. Very, Hitchcockian. Nice. nice. Very slowly paced, <laughs> very painfully hard to watch 
sequence. Like Hitchcock's quoted as saying, if you show an audience two people sitting at a table eating dinner for 10 minutes, and then you blow up the table, they'll get a momentary thrill. But if you show the audience a bomb with a 10-minute timer, then show the people sitting at the table having dinner, they get 10 minutes of tension. Right. And yeah. at that point, it doesn't even matter whether no, you blow the bomb point, up or not. At that point, no. Right. You, you, he says you can't blow up the bomb at that point, he specifically says. Oh, really? Yes, which okay. he did in a movie. He blew up the bomb back in an older one of his movies called um, uh, Sabotage. Okay. And, uh, or The Saboteur. I can't remember. He's got two movies with very similar names. <laughs> but uh, he regretted actually blowing up the bomb in that movie. Interesting. Okay. So I've actually misquoted that. But the point, the point he's making is in, in the original episode, you don't know where it's going and there's this very slow pacing to it. And then the twist ending when the woman walks in, it's like, yeah. I want it. He That's can't, my car. I want it fair and square. I want it fair and square. And you're like, fuck. Right? And it's a very twisted ending. But when Tarantino redoes it, it's hilariously, deliberately yes, it's, it's short done for comedic value. For comedic yeah. effect. Well, yeah. Right. It's like, you think it's you know where one, this is one going, flip and, then and we're going to boom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was very like... And then he quick. runs out of the room and <laughs> takes, takes his money and runs out of the room. That's uh, brilliant. And it's like, and then roll credits. And it's, exactly. And it's, it's Tim Roth getting his retribution after the torture he's put up with through the other three right. of the film. Exactly. <laughs> so. Okay, so Jackie Brown. Jackie Case Brown. Closed. I like that movie. Yeah. I really I liked it too. Yeah. Okay, and Michael, then we didn't mention Michael Keaton's semi comeback that film is for him. Well, yeah, he hadn't really been in anything for a while. Yeah, I well, think that was his, by choice, though. Um, True enough. Okay, well, so there was the old actor in that movie. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Uh, he got an he, Oscar nomination. He did yes, because then he went on to do. <laughs> oh it yeah, kind of revived um, him temporarily too. Yeah, because he was in Rounders after that. He had yeah. a pretty big part with that What's Matt his name? Damon movie. We'll find it here in just a I am B D B Anyway, while you're looking for that. So the next thing is the epic Kill Bill. Kill Bill, which, which is also was by the way, which, film, yeah, initially. which is also on Netflix right now. Okay. No one is gonna let you put out a four and a half hour movie. Well, it wasn't really gonna be that long initially, but once the studio said it's getting long, we're gonna split it, he said, Well then fuck it, I'll make it even longer. Right. Um, <laughs> but it, the origin of the film is in Pulp Fiction, where him and Uma Thurman had conceived of the character of the blood spattered bride. Right. You know, and it was it was it wasn't a story, it was just the image of a woman in a wedding dress with a samurai sword covered in blood. Right. And the entire movie was based around just the concept of that image that Uma had come up right. with. Right. So it was Robert Forrester. Robert Forrester, yes. Yeah. God, he's in um God, what else did he do after that? He did some great stuff after Robert that. Robert Forrester. After. Anyway, yes. Yeah, Kill Bill, a uh, big comeback movie for David Carradine. Yes. I, I don't know if he did a whole lot after that, but... No, I don't but... he did anything after it, really. I, yeah. Right. Well, well, Lucy Lou, off, but Michael anyway. Madsen, Daryl Hannah. Dude, Lucy Lou was awesome in that Darryl movie. Daryl Hannah, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway. So what I'm waiting for is the follow-up film. Vivica A. Fox, who has a you very prominent role. You know the rumors about that. Um, what, Splash 2? No, they supposedly, <laughs> the, Vivica A. Fox's daughter in that movie right. has a very small role. Right. They supposedly filmed several scenes, other scenes with her right. to be used in a future film where she grows up and goes after Uma Thurman for revenge. Uma Thurman's kid? No, not Uma Thurman's kid. Vivica Uma A. Fox's Thurman. kid. Interesting. That, that now the bride is going to be an old woman. And her daughter 
is going to defend her against Vivica Fox's daughter, who has been trained by Daryl Hannah's character. So it's going to be a sequel to Kill Bill. Yes. Interesting. The, 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 the rumors I heard is that he'd done the filming with the child, in it, with the two young girls. The, right. BB in the second film yeah. and her in the first film. Bang, bang, mama, you're dead. Right. right. He'd filmed scenes with them to be used as flashback scenes later right. in this film. Now, whether that film is ever going to happen, I don't know. But I think the basic premise was that, that Daryl Hannah's character would survive, be blind. This girl would come to her when she grows up and seek her training in order to go after Uma Thurman. Right. And now Uma Thurman, as an old woman, has brought up her daughter, and her daughter... And the climax is going to be the two daughters essentially fighting it out. He's just biding his time. So I think that would be freaking I see, awesome. So it's a touch on the kung fu movie genre. Oh, it's a touch yeah. on a lot of I things. Mean, I mean, yeah. the Vivica Fox sequence is a, is a homage to a lot of black exploitation films in the same way Jackie Brown was. A lot of the stuff in the second film is is your spaghetti westerns, right? And 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 that kind of stuff. Um, the the. The big showdown at House of Blue Leaves is, is Japanese samurai movies, whereas all the training with Pai Mei in the second film right. is the Chinese Hong Kong kung fu movies. Exactly. Which are very different. Right. Uh, they're well, absolutely. different genres it's a of film. completely different culture. Yeah. <laughs> no, it really, I, I know that. Right. But which, I'm saying which movie would you say a lot of better? American audiences might. Yeah. Would absolutely. you say one or two is better? Uh, I have a hard time two, separating them as two right. distinct films. Yeah, I see them as one film. Really? I really do. I, don't. I, I, yeah. I absolutely see them as one film. Yeah. But well, if you I mean, don't... If, if you I'm don't, going to separate them in it, my head... I would say one is better because... I think one's better, with the event, Without the events of one, two doesn't make any damn sense. Okay. Because <laughs> it's the same fucking movie. No, no, no. Yeah. It's like Here's turning on a movie halfway through and going, which half was better? Honestly, I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to say one is better in the sense of it being a much more exciting film. A much more dramatic action. two can drag but in two, places, but two yeah, I think has I a lot more. A the soon the scene at Bill's house where she shows up and finally finds him with the kid, right? And they're sitting outside so, talking, and it's just no, like, but now you think this that drags no, a little in the beginning. Uh, I don't think it does. Because there's like really no like it's built to this, and it's the slow burn. This is the thing. Well, it's built to it, and then the you have it, and so, then it's the. I the, just feel like the. I'm actually going to go back and watch it again because it's on Netflix right now. Okay, good. Because I think the first film is a great over-the-top action film, but not with a whole lot of substance. Right. I think almost all the substance to the overall story sure. is in the second film. And I think the second film is a lot headier. There's a lot more emotion in it. There's a lot more intelligence in it. Whereas the first film is mostly just set up and action. Okay, it's all set up. I mean, Sonny Chiba gets the greatest fucking line. He's like, I, you know, I can say without arrogance that should you meet God on your journey, God will be cut. You know, this is right. the, the dude. When he makes the sword, it's just this, this ah, kind of moment. Right. You know what I mean? And that's just building up to the huge battle sequence with the crazy 88. But there's so much more substance in the second film. When he's burying her alive, that's friggin' intense. Right. You know, and the whole, and when you meet Madsen's character, it starts off with Carradine talking to him about you used to be this amazing badass, and now you, you're getting jerked around by a douchebag tool at the strip club. Right. You know, and you're like, and it, it's this huge setup of how he's, Madsen's character is a washed up, has been nobody now. And she's sneaking around the house, and you're listening to the Johnny Cash song, 
you know, and it's this very slow buildup to where you think she's just going to open the door and kill him. She opens the door and gets hit in the chest with a shotgun full of rock salt. You know, and you're like, oh, Michael Madsen isn't going to take this lying down. He is going to fight back. Oh, fuck, he's going to bury her the fuck alive. You know, and it, in a way, he's a much more frightening enemy than Lucy Liu, the head of the, the freaking Akuza. You know what I mean? She's a much bigger, over-the-top, got an army of, of warriors. But this one man is just going to take you down and stick you in a pine box and bury you alive. And in a lot of ways, that's a lot more frightening. Hey! 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 Wait, woman. You see this? You see it, don't you? That's a kind of mace. No. You're going underneath the ground tonight. And that's all there is to it. I want to bury you. I was going to bury you. <laughs> it is. But if you're going to act like a horse's ass, I'm going to spray this whole goddamn can right in your eyeballs. I'll burn them right out of your fucking head. Then you're going to be blind. Burn them. And buried alive. What's it gonna be, sister? Yeah, I uh, I, I like Kill Bill one more I, I like, than two. I, I like think Kill there's Bill. A, so yeah. much in one. The whole uh, animated sequence really took oh, me by yeah. surprise yeah. when I first saw it. I had no idea it was gonna be there. I don't think it was in any of the it's advertisements. Funny, it gave me a flashback to Natural Born Killers. And it, it just uh, the, it just seemed to come out of nowhere, and it was really movie. good. And then you know this the big fight sequence at the end, and it goes to black and white. I kind of wonder. It does. You know, there's a reason that he went to black and white because it was just yeah, it was too graphic. He got an X rating. Yeah, I I kind of figured that when I watched it. The whole segment goes to black and white to not show the blood. Do you notice this? Um, Because it's an homage to service. It it goes to black and white when she plucks out the eye. Yeah. And then there's the point where the lights get cut out, and there's the fight in the dark, and then when the lights come back on is when it goes back to color. Mm-hmm. That sequence in the dark against the blue background, mm-hmm. do you know what, it, what film it's an homage to? No. It's the final battle scene in Highlander, the original Highlander. Hmm. So Interesting. You, yeah, you may need to go it. back and watch the final fight between the Highlander and the Kurgan at the end of Highlander. That's what that segment of the battle is, is, is making reference to. Right. So, so I think that Kill Bill that as, as one movie of, is of better than the... all of Tarantino's the, films, all of them pay homage to certain older films. Right. I think Kill Bill covers a lot more ground. I mean, the whole thing with the split screen with Daryl Hannah It is definitely the, the best of his first and, three and films. And Twisted Nerve playing, that's an homage to Brian De Palma, right. if you're not familiar. That's very much a Brian De Palma right. um, sequence. Okay, moving on. For example... On. Moving, Moving on. Moving on. Are we still talking about Kill Bill? I don't we, know. Are we? <laughs> we could, but um, we can come back to it. Lucy Liu. Well, let like, me throw wait. this out there. Since since you mentioned the animated sequence, and I said it reminded me of Natural Born Killers, uh-huh. we can briefly touch on that because that is a film directed by Oliver Stone, but written by Quentin Tarantino. And so there's and there's another film we can we we, we ought to briefly touch on as well. Um, 
I had Natural Born Killers on my top five. Right. Um, yeah, which I, and neither I of you disagree with. have have, have <laughs> yes, none. Yes, I completely disagree with it. Correct. Yeah, neither of you hold that film in as high regard as I do, and I and I get that it is absolutely not a film for a mass audience, but it's really obviously a Tarantino script. I mean, it doesn't look like a Tarantino film. It doesn't even look like a Oliver Stone film. It's it's its own thing, right. certainly. But there are certain sequences, like the Mexican standoff in the prison, is another version of the Mexican standoff at the end of. Of uh, Reservoir Dogs and a Mexican standoff near the end of True Romance, right? Um, Which there, is the other movie you wanted to touch on, right? And right. so there's a few things where he, there are a few, there are a handful of scenes in Natural Born Killers that you very much see the hand of Quentin Tarantino in. Right. Um, Explain to the people at home the connection to True Romance. Um, the connection. The Tarantino connection to True well, Romance. True Romance is written by Tarantino, right. directed by Tony Scott. That is correct, the sir. The inferior Scott brother. I'm a huge fan of Ridley Scott. You are correct, sir. I am not a fan of Tony Scott. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't like Tony Scott's films. Um, I, I hold him, as I said, in higher regard than Michael Bay, whereas whereas Michael Bay, all his films are about We know that you don't like Michael Bay. At least Tony Scott tries to set up an interesting plot. But then, yeah, the last... The, the tail end of True Romance kind of spirals out of control. But it's got a lot of good parts. I mean, Brad Pitt's brief couple of scenes as the stoner are hilarious. Um, the one scene of Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper right. is worth the entire film. I would say yes. And that's entirely because it's Tarantino's script and nothing to do with Tony Scott's direction of the scene. No, absolutely Those not. two actors and that script could have been directed by anybody and that scene would have been amazing right do you have anything the, else for kill bill the the the, the, the um, well, i'm just trying to remember a movie that Heat? influenced him making it and i, yeah. I forget With, the name of it and I've, I've seen it okay i think it's called like the snow queen or something like that or the snow blood queen i, I forget but if you've seen heat it's de niro and pacino right just trying to remember. and although they're both big stars in the movie and both of them are in a lot of the movie. They only really have one scene together, and then briefly at the very end of the movie, they're together again, right. briefly. But they really only have one scene in a restaurant together. Right. They're only on screen for that one scene in and, the movie. And, and Heat, I think, directed by Michael Mann, correct? Yes. I, I, I think Heat is worth watching just for that one scene as Heat well. Heat could have made my top five. It's definitely in my top ten. Yeah. I, um, so, But yeah, I mean, Gary Oldman's cameo is great. You know, was, was it White Boy Day? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody tell me it was White Boy Day. No, white I didn't. It wasn't, okay, moving on. This motherfucker thought it was White Boy Day. 2007, <laughs> Death Proof, which is one half of the Grindhouse Grindhouse. collaboration that he did with with Robert Rodriguez. Again, and again, I'm going to say, and Rodriguez's half is better. I like, I like Death Proof. One of them. I like Planet Terror a lot more. Oh, dude, um, Planet Terror this is was just fun. really good. But Kurt Russell, yes, Rosario Dawson, yes. <sighs> <laughs> but the whole, uh, the whole, the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, Rose McGowan. The, the, the leg, thing about the movie is the the like machine they, gun the leg. girls the the girls in the film that are the, the main group are all stunt women, right? That he hired to be the actresses to sit and have a conversation above a famous seventies stunt woman scene, right? And then proceed to act out an homage to that scene, right. and that's really all Death Proof is. Is a fun homage to 70s stuff. Well, it's about a guy that kills women in no, a car. By... No, no, no. That's the excuse okay, of a plot. Enough. What it really is fair is enough. an homage to 70s stuff. Oh, absolutely. That's that's what it. it and I'm not that's saying that's why they put negative. these two movies that's... together and released it as Grindhouse, which right. was a double feature. You know, you'd go right. see in the 70s right. these uh, exploitation and car movies, and you know, 
weird stuff that they would have together. And like Correct. a. But the you know. point I'm the point I'm making is all of Tarantino's films are in many ways his homage to all older films, but his take on it. Whereas Death Proof, I think, is nothing but the homage. The actual story is nonsense filler in order to do the homage scene. That's that's what I'm saying. Right. And that's why I don't think Death Proof is anywhere near his strongest material. No, absolutely not. Um, and and but Rodriguez. I think he is, did it because him and his friend wanted to play together again. Right. And and Rodriguez's right. half, Planet Terror, is. I didn't like it nearly as much. Rolling. Really, sorry. I like Planet I Terror a lot better because on the one hand, it 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 is what it's paying tribute to. It really right. does have the action. It really does have the gore of everything that it's making fun of, but but at the same time, it's so campy and over the top that. It's not a B movie. It's it, it's way too clever. Right. And then, of course, in between the two, there's the several trailers of fake movies. Right. They've actually gone on to make I, at least two, if not three, of those films have now actually been made. <laughs> they made Machete. Right. Before that, they oh, yeah, ma- they they made. <laughs> it, yeah, the, the best part that, about it's Rutger Hauer in the best part about Grindhouse was the fake movie trailers. Right. right. What's the one with Rutger Hauer as the homeless guy? Um. Uh, sh- Hobo with a shotgun. Hobo with a yeah, shotgun. With a they shotgun. made Hobo they with a shotgun. That. Have you seen that? I have not yeah, seen it. It's good. Well, it's got R- Ricky gets his head cut no. off by a manhole cover. From, no, I mean it's good for what from, it is. Uh, it's no. not going to win any well, awards. Of course, but, he, but I know. mean from um, Ricky from fucking <laughs> Trailer Park Boys. I'm not Canadian usually squeamish, but sitcom? I got to say I found, um, you know, Planet Terror to be a little too graphic, and you know, Hobo <laughs> with a shotgun. Yeah, you I found that to be too graphic. Post I don't know for some be, reason it. No, I, I get that, and I'm right. not usually against stuff like that to a certain extent. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I watch horror movies and all that, but I, I guess I just found them in some ways to be too graphic, and it was a turnoff for me. You think it's a little like more a, exploitative than? Yeah. Well, and that's why yeah. they call them exploitation. Films, sure, but yeah. I don't know. Um, I just didn't get into it. Sure, didn't, didn't get into it. Was um, it. Okay, so then let's get a little more serious. The next one is the Jewish fantasy that is Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards, Brad Pitt. Not seen it. Oh, dude. Um, What's funny about that movie? This is the first movie that he did with Christoph Waltz. Yes. Who plays the German officer. It's so uh, Michael Fassenbender. Eli Roth. Diane Kruger is in this movie. Right. Eli Roth's a big influence on this film. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. Huge influence on the film itself. Um, this is where, I, in, in the same way that Rodriguez and him had a thing, his thing with Eli Roth is what gets you inglorious. Well, right. It's set in World War II, and it's about World War II, but it's a, an alternative history. Right. It's a, it's, I don't it's want to call it a fantasy many, movie. but Well, it is. How many ways can we kill Hitler? Right. And what's funny is everything that, that Brad Pitt and his crew of Inglorious Bastards do is actually irrelevant. That had they not been there at all, Hitler still would have died in that theater, right? <laughs> because of the other girl, who is the setup scene with Christoph Waltz. That is so. That opening scene alone is frigging awesome. He is so good in that movie. May I smoke my pipe as well? Please uh, go and make yourself at home. Now, my job dictates that I must have my men enter your home 
conduct a thorough search before I can officially cross your family's name off my list. And if there are any irregularities to be found, rest assured they will be. That is unless you have something to tell me that makes the conducting of a search unnecessary. I might add also that any information that makes a performance of my duty easier will not be met with punishment. Actually, quite the contrary. It will be met with reward. And that reward will be your family will cease to be harassed in any way by the German military during the rest of our occupation of your country. You're sheltering enemies of the state, are you not? Yes. You're sheltering them underneath your floorboards, aren't you? Yes. Point out to me the areas where they're hiding. He's, he's he is really, such an asshole. He's, it, but I mean, right. the perfect amount of. I'm trying to think of some other characters that fall in that category. Right. You know, I mean, well, freaking, what's his name? The leader of the Crimson Tide in Solo. Similar kind of character where he's like polite, nice, but majorly evil. Right. Right? Because hold on, hold on. I, Wait a minute. Hold on. Does fuck. that. You fuck. son of a bitch, you fucking saw it. Did you see it? Of course he did. Did you see the Hollow movie? No, he'll never see it. You didn't see the Solo movie? No, I didn't go see if, it. You're if, a fucking if, asshole. If it comes up on Netflix and he can't find the remote, he'll watch it. <laughs> there you go. All right, we'll have to talk about that Solo movie well, later. But I watched The Departed this week. I and I watched I, a movie called Logan Lucky. Have you guys heard of that movie? Yes. I don't know. Maybe yes. we should talk about it next well, week. Well, it's got a Star Wars connection because it's got friggin' uh, what's his name in it? Dri Adam Driver's in it. Yeah. And it's also got... Uh, Did you Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. It's also got um, James Bond in it. Yeah, no. It, you know, the, uh, at the end credits, you know, it goes through all the actors because it's uh, Channing Tatum and Adam Driver. And then at the end of the, the credits, and it says, and introducing Daniel Craig as <laughs> Joe Bang. And you're like, yeah, like no one's ever seen <laughs> I know. Well, it's it funny because really he's funny. playing this like rednecky, he's this British actor playing a very a American neck. character. It was funny. Um, the trailers were, alone were hilarious. But... Um, the solo movie I enjoyed, oh, you went but I wouldn't call it a Star Wars movie. Let's, I would call uh, it a decent gangster movie, crime movie. Perhaps with, we should follow Star this Wars up on a, on, top. on a different episode. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, uh, Glorious Bastards was uh, more of a mainstream film. It was. Yeah. I would say it was more of a studio type movie. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, certainly more than friggin' Grindhouse or. or well, Kill the scene Bell. when they're in the bar, when the two spies are in there with the other real Germans, Dude. and he goes three Dude. fingers the wrong way, he puts his uh -huh. his finger and his thumb together to make the three, instead of putting his pinky and right, his right, thumb right, together right, to make right, the right. three, which apparently was a distinct difference between oh, yeah. British it's and German. It's very subtle. Right. The, the, the and that's, that actually outed him. Yes. You know, and that they end scene up. Is yeah. Oh, it's a great scene. It's, it's Hitchcockian. I, he I would love that movie. Pat, Pat would really love that movie. I don't understand how you've not seen it, Glorious Bastards. He, he would really, really he love would that really, movie. And Pat, that's also the tension on that Netflix right now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe yeah, I'll you really don't week. have any excuses. So have, is Netflix our new sponsor? What the fuck? Yeah. I don't know. They're just on a Tarantino kick right well, now, I think. That's just funny. I just, I, um, yeah, because I don't think at any point in this hour we've mentioned that, you know, hey, we're coming to you live so, from Dollhead Studios. And, anyway. Yeah, beautiful Some, West Anaheim, California. Got to throw the plug in there. For certain movies, I just have to be in the mood to maybe watch them. I can't just like turn it on and go, oh, I'm going to watch this movie. 
I have to have a like right. the right well, mood for it. Let's wind but down to the last some two here. Other movies. Do you want to play the commercial real quick? Play the commercial. Here, go ahead and press play. play. Wait, hang on. What? Yeah, this what? is Mac coming to you live from Dollhead <laughs> Radio here at Dollhead Studios in beautiful West <laughs> Anaheim, California. Please visit us online at dollhutstudios.com. Thank you. Here, here, here we go. You guys want? We can play Trivia Schmivia. Oh, fuck. Okay. Here we go. Trivia so, okay. In Finding Nemo. Oh, good God. There was a shark. Yes. Right. What's his name and what's the significance to his name? Ooh. Mm, Ooh. Son of a bitch. I know there are several sharks, but there was the main shark. Right, the main shark. Yeah, I know what you're. What was his name, and what's the significance of that? Can I, can I call phone a friend? My living girl daughter. You can ask Charlie in the control room. Uh, Charlie, ask, why don't you ask Karen real quick? <laughs> no. That's cheating. No, I'm I'm trying to find out this movie that influenced. Um, Kill Bill. Oh, no, don't you're do the, this, no you I fuck. don't fucking think so. No, you're going to leave us fucking This is hanging. what he did with yeah. the whole Trivia Schmivia. This is what he's right. waiting to do with it. Right. It's like, yeah, if you can't answer, if you can't answer yeah, whatever. Trivia Schmivia. Do I have to ask whatever. Karen? Is that the fucking deal? <laughs> but I've seen this movie that influenced him, and it was a it was a really cool movie, and it starts out with this lady walking into the snow. and finding Nemo? <laughs> <laughs> According to Pixar Wiki fandom, Bruce is touched when he finds out that Mark Bruce. Bruce. Okay, Bruce. you got the name. Bruce What's the, the significance? Is it Bruce Lee? No. Bruce Willis? No. Name another Bruce. They call me Bruce? No. That's a really bad comedy. What kind of shark is he? He's a great, great white, shark. white shark. With the name of? Bruce. Bruce. Which means, which is the significance? Great Bruce. white Bruce. I'll, I'll, Bruce. I'll, I'll use another Bruce. word rather than significance. Homage? It's, look, I'm getting you're saying he's a, hey, it's an homage to a great to great white. Did they call the shark Bruce? Yes, Jaws? in the production of Jaws, the mechanical oh. shark, they called it Bruce. Holy fuck, that wasn't even worth it. Oh, come on. Come on. But who You uh, can't do your trivia schmidt bullshit Bruce, though? and why? hold out on the goddamn answer. Why did if they it's gonna call, be that cheesy? Why did, why did they, they call, call the shark, the shark Jaws Bruce? Bruce? It kept malfunctioning. They were having a lot of trouble with it. Who was Bruce? Uh, maybe the guy who built it and No, they it was Steven Spielberg's lawyer. <laughs> uh, he was calling his lawyer a shark. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. A, a malfunctioning but, um, shark. <laughs> that's but yeah, nice. they named Bruce in Finding Nemo gotcha. because that's Bruce great. was the name from. So, Inglorious Bastards, Pat needs to go Moving watch on. it. Yes, yeah. absolutely has to watch it. Okay, uh, 2012, Django Unchained. Yeah. That's the one I have I've seen. not seen. Which, it. oh, it's basically a oh, revisionist okay. Western sure. kind of genre thingy. Um. It We're running a, low on time. Maybe no, we, we absolutely should for, not. Uh, absolutely not. Yeah. Jamie Foxx, uh, the second movie with it. Christoph Waltz. He's also in this. Right. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I just don't see movies anymore. Not and Samuel L. Jackson. You haven't seen this one? Right. I'm saying two of us haven't seen it. So you guys haven't seen this one? No. I, and not for not wanting to. I'm not really interested in seeing it. He's the one not interested. I am. Anyway. Just not really. Hateful Eight's the same thing. I'm interested in seeing the Hateful Eight. I've heard too much good stuff about it in spite of A movie, you know. Because he's going to sit here and bag on Hateful Eight. You've seen Hateful Eight, right? I've seen Hateful Eight. And didn't like it. I didn't really care for it. It didn't It didn't work right. All right. I'm going to see the two of them it was, as a double feature. It didn't work right. Because they're both oh. like Westerns, right? Hateful Eight. Yeah, it's set well, in basically okay. the same time well, there's a, Right. So I'm just going to watch them both things. as a double feature for you myself. You didn't like he shot, the Hateful Are they on eight. Netflix? Here's the thing. He shot Hateful yeah, Eight. Are, okay. Then I, that by next right. week, I'll probably watch both of them. He right. shot Hateful Eight in the big widescreen format. I, I forget what it's called. Right. Like, you know, the big like Panavision. And yeah, there's some scenes outside at the beginning of the sprawling, snowing mountains and stuff. But then the rest of the movie set inside the cabin, 
which was just kind of a waste right. of the Panavision. It, it should have been more of an exterior movie. They it were was going to make a big deal out of using the Panavision. They were snowed in. Yeah, but it just was kind of a waste to say this is oh, some movie okay. with Panavision. Sure. When I don't know, I feel like ninety percent like, of the movie was inside. Right, like far it was and away kind of was shot with right, the like far and away was shot sure, like that, and, and there was a lot of scenes outside. Whereas Hateful okay. Eight, you're was set. All right, but that's I'm my point. Is, how are you? Di- but I mean, but, that's that's the wrong reason to have a problem with the movie. Well, it, it was a okay, technical so a waste, reason that kind yes, of it's a waste of some technical information. But how does that in any way matter? Was the plot and story and dialogue and acting valid? The technical aspects irrelevant. Bruce Dern's character I, is fucking brilliant. In yeah, that movie. there was a lot of good stuff. I, Jennifer I didn't, Jason Leigh's character I didn't like was really Sam good. Sam Jackson's character. I didn't either. He was an asshole, but he I think was he was an asshole. supposed to be. Uh, he, he had, not to reveal too much, but you know how he talked about the letter that he got from Abraham Lincoln? And then you find out that it was a fake letter. Right. That kind of disappointed me. Why was it a fake letter? Well, he Let's said not he, spoil anything here. Well, because it calmed people down. No, no, no. He specifically said it, it disarms white people. Exactly. It calmed them down. Yes, but look, it's that the, time no, no, period. No, no. A black man had no, a letter no, no, no. from Abraham no, Lincoln no, no, no. personally look, addressed to him. Look, he uses the word disarm. Right. Which in that context of that movie, he's not saying calming you down. He's saying disarming you as in removing your revolver. Not in a in a in a it's 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 a double meaning there, and I think it's more about well, saying yeah, it prevents that him he's, from getting shot. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. And I found that to be interesting, but I I was kind of disappointed when I found out that it was a fake letter. I I actually I did liked not, that it was a fake letter. Yeah, okay. and that he was full of shit. The I, whole I, time. I, I can well, I but can it get made that. him. But he was an asshole, and I didn't like but that. He's a clever asshole, obviously. I, I guess conceived he was a of a way asshole. of hey, if I make this fake letter, it might keep me alive. Right. And I haven't seen the film, but that's where I'm interpreting all that. Yeah. I now want to see this film. Hey, you and do, you do want to see this movie it. because so please don't the talk hateful, too much more about it. The hateful eight is a good fucking movie. I'm sure it is. And your brother has his head up his ass right he now. He does. <laughs> he does because it's a good fucking movie. So you watch Inglorious Bastards. You watch the Hateful Eight. And you, you both, and you both watch I Django swear. Unchained. See, if you're a Hitchcock fan, you will fucking love a, Inglorious Bastards. Is great. Anyway, let's go through the list real quick before we uh, say goodbye to everybody. Sure. Yeah. yeah for those of there. you scoring at home, <laughs> Reservoir Dogs, 1992. Yep. Two, three thumbs up. Three thumbs up. Pulp Fiction, <laughs> three 1994. Up. Three, three thumbs up. up. Jackie Brown, 1997, three, three thumbs, thumbs, up. thumbs up. Kill Bill, one and two, three, three thumbs and oh four, three, three thumbs, thumbs up. up. Three thumbs up. Death Proof, 2007. Yeah, I will I, give it a thumbs up. I'm in I will give it a thumbs down. down. Okay, well, fuck you guys. Inglorious Bastards, thumbs 2009. Up. Not seen it. Big thumbs two, up. Two thumbs up. Django Unchained. Not seen it. I have two thumbs. <laughs> two thumbs up. Nice. I'm not going to give thumb. I'm not going to give Hateful Eight a thumbs down, but I'm not going to give it a thumbs up. Okay, it's kind so of the, the Hateful Eight. Pat's going to give a, a thumb and a half. Thumb uh, and a, a sideways. A thumb. Joaquin Phoenix thumb and Gladiator. Yeah. yeah there you okay, go. and then I will give it a thumbs up. Roland will give it a, a watch. Right, you need and to we'll watch do that. And then on this wiki list, there's a movie coming out in 2019 called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. And this is a Tarantino sure. written and directed. Right, that's what he does. Uh, starring Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie, Dakota Fanning, James Madsen, uh, Timothy Oliphant. Mm. I don't recognize any of these other names. Burt Reynolds, Al Pacino is at the bottom of that very long list of people. So that should be a very interesting movie. Uh, my, my guess is that Pacino gets a very small, cool cameo. And I would assume Burt if he's Reynolds, all the way down at the bottom of the list. This, knowing Tarantino's history, that's Burt Reynolds 
being stuck in a Tarantino movie as a big comeback. And he probably right. has a significant role, I'm right. guessing. So we recommend Tarantino. We recommend that you watch his movies, which most of you already have. And we're going to go ahead and uh, let's we'll just, see you next week. Uh, do you want gas me? food and lodging. No, we're good. We are gas All food right. and lodging. Gas food and lodging. Bye-bye. Bye. Go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, Take your sticking paws off me, you bitch! Well, no shit. What have we got here, a fucking comedian? What's your name, fat body? My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. No. I am your father. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. What kind of a stupid name is that, Fogel? What, are you trying to be an Irish R&B singer? I do wish we could chat longer, but I've had him in all old fat.